Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves, and I have a really special show for you today because this is my very first coronavirus interview since this since this hit. So stay tuned, and you're going to meet a new guy in town. Well, he's a new guy to me anyway. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Adam Ross, welcome to Alligator Preserves. Hi, Laurel. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I appreciate you. First, maybe we should tell everybody out there how we found one another, if you remember. Uh, Facebook <laughs> uh, is how it came up. I have a, uh, so I've got an online store right now. We're working toward making it a brick and mortar called Roscoe Lorenzo General Store and Newsstand. Uh, I do a lot of work with local authors to promote their work and share them and also be a venue that will eventually host them in the store for book signings and all kinds of stuff like that. So I, and part of that is I have a author group called Roscoe Lorenzo Author Group where me and my little stable of authors, we get together and pull ideas together for each other, how to support each other, how I can help them and they can support each other. And Laurel, I can't remember... If you sent me a request, I sent you a request. I did. I, I sent you a request. I saw that you were in touch with another author, another Colorado author, and it was something about sending, uh, she was going to send you her books or, and you were going to have them in your store. And I read, I read about you and I read that you were supporting local authors. And so then I contacted you and I said, and I said, I'm a local author. What are you looking for? So your company, first of all, let me just say that you, on your site, Adam Ross is an author, entrepreneur, Star Wars fan, yes, and coffee lover. Now, let yeah, me just... I should edit that to say coffee snob, because I am getting kind of snotty about my coffee taste. All right. Well, I, I'm going to give you a little, um, a little scenario here, right? I invite you over to my house someday, and you walk in, and you see me pop open the Folgers Gourmet, maybe the Colombian, maybe the Supreme, maybe the Breakfast Blend. I don't know. They all taste the same. And you see me put two scoops into my REI camping percolator and put it on the stove. What do you do? Uh, well, I thank you for being a gracious host and having me over for coffee, but then I'm going to judge your coffee taste. <laughs> uh, Folgers is not... My first choice. I mean, it gets the job done. Coffee is coffee. At the end of the day, coffee is coffee. But my my preferred go-to coffee, I like pour-over style coffee. And Allegro brand coffee is my preferred brand. I also like Pete's coffee as well. It's it's a good one. I've had that before. Uh, Mike and I have two sons, and they've become coffee snobs over the years. And it was from them that I learned what a French press was and mm-hmm. cold brew and and other things so we do have the ability to do better coffee than the percolator but i don't know it's kind of hey, one of those you know, if, if coffee's coffee i mean that's my taste and <laughs> you have your taste so there we go cream and sugar uh just sugar just sugar that's what i've been just, doing lately yeah two packets Str- of sugar yeah. two all right okay <laughs> you're you are an author 
And yes, I saw recently that you finished a first draft on something. Yeah. So many, many years ago when I was putting pen to paper, uh, I wrote a book called Turning Left and I was like 19 and it was very not professional, not edited. It was the journey into self-publishing and I put it out there for the world and, you know, got a few out there, like 10 copies or something like that. It, I bought for myself to have and give out. And it was a story about a homeless man who is running from agents and you don't know if they're real or imagined. And the whole way through, you're getting to know this man's harboring some pretty big secrets for stuff that he's witnessed in the past. And so we were giving plausibility to this. And in the end, there's a twist that's pretty simple and it's actually really in your face the whole time that really, I, I, I don't want to give it away because if ever I decide don't. to go big. So I did finish, I, as I rewrote it um, and, and cut some stuff out. There's a lot of subplots, a lot of extra characters. Uh, I went back and read, read it like a year ago and I was like, I think I can redo this and make it better. And so I did that. So that was my first draft before that I was working on a memoir uh, about the story of my ex and I and the journey that we had together from moving from San Diego to Colorado. And that story became, it was good and therapeutic and healing to write that. Um, We have since separated back in January, but it became very personal and a very touching story that I wanted to keep for myself uh, for now. Um, so I can remember the ride that we had. I mean, there was a lot of darkness in there, but there was also a lot of good times and those good times are very special to me. And for now I want to keep them for myself. Okay. When did you move from San Diego to, did you move Uh, from San Diego to Parker? No. So I actually first came to Colorado when I was 18, uh, lived here for about 10 years, went back, uh, and lived with my grandparents. And I just came back last April and I was living in Centennial, uh, went up to Lakewood and then back to Parker back in February. What draws you to Parker? Well, you know, honest to God, uh, while I'm sitting here, I, I still don't have the ability to make a good story, but I came down here because the relationship ended and my family was down here to be supportive of that. And then I just fell in love with the town. It is a small town feel in spite of the fact that it being 66,000 and growing. There's a lot of growth happening right now in Parker. The next few years will be really exciting for the town. They do a great job supporting small business and everything local. I have since befriended a lot of the local business owners down here, and they are just delightful, lovely people who are so down to earth and so supportive of each other and me and my journey, what I'm trying to build. And a couple of them come to mind right now who have reached out, you know, similar to how you did, and we're like, hey, here's stuff that I encountered when I built my business. We'll look out for these things. Go ahead and uh, give me, go ahead and give us some shout outs to some places. Uh, you know, the first one is Susan from Kilwins. Um, she has been amazing. It's a chocolate confectionery down here. Ooh. Um, yeah. And uh, the first day I walked in, and I met her in person. Uh, she was dipping apples into caramel and making them right there in the store. And these apples, big, beautiful green apples. Uh, and she knows her chocolate. I have a sweet tooth that won't go away. So she, and so she's helpful in that regard too. Lynn, who owns Parker Hair Express has been an amazing mentor, an amazing help. She has been in business for many, many years and really knows Castle Rock and Parker business and how it runs and operates. And she does hair. I took my mom over there for Mother's Day to get her hair done. And she was very pleased and loved I, w- I was about um, to make a joke about you going to a hairstylist. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's how Lynn and I hooked up is she did my hair. <laughs> yeah, great job. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, she's an amazing, amazing, wonderful lady. And just nothing but good energy right there. I mean, the two of them have been terrific. There's a commercial real estate broker named Jessica, who's also fantastic. And I mean, I can go on and on and on and on and list people and forget people. And it's just a lovely community down here. Awesome. So you're an entrepreneur and you have something called RL 
Productions. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about that. Uh, RL Productions is something I actually need to develop a little bit further, but basically it is a service where I work with authors to host their book launch parties, or if they want to do an anniversary party or maybe a release of a paperback, or just have an author celebration where I would do the organizing of the event for them in line with what their vision is and how they want it. So that way when the night comes, they can come in and just be the toast of the town. And they don't need to worry about running the sales. They don't need to worry about how many books do I have. They don't need to worry about any of the details. All they got to do is schmooze, get up on that podium and share their story and share their book and revel with their friends and their family and loved ones and have a really evening dedicated to them. And that's what RL Productions is. When will you be open for that business? That is already kind of up and running in the background. Uh, Obviously, opening the brick and mortar is my main focus because that'll be a vessel that I can use to facilitate a lot of those parties. And it would be a very inexpensive venue for authors to use to come in and have their party. And I'll already be there set up with the espresso bar, the coffee bar. We'll have pastries, sandwiches, uh, canned IPAs. And of course, we can bring in wine for it as well. And the register as well. So it would be full service running right there with the brick and mortar. So that's been my main focus. But RL Productions, I can already get up and running with anybody. Who does your bakery? Uh, bakery is, oh gosh, it is uh, La Salle Bakery. It's a French bakery. I think that's what it's called. I'll send you the actual information. The guy's name is Julian. He's going to be, uh, he's based in Thornton uh, and he does French baked goods. Wonderful. And so th- you have a general store on, and again, I'll have links to all the things that you're talking about, but you have a general store already set up where people can go online and purchase things. What kind of things could they find there? Uh, on top of books from the local authors, uh, also some bestsellers, kids' books. They can also find mugs, pop culture themed, of course. Don't Star Wars. Star Wars, of course, Star Wars. Can't ever have a day without Star Wars. Uh, some neat stuff that's going to be coming soon is we have some CBD oils and uh, uh, aromatherapy things, as well as uh, lemonade mixes and candles and i think some magnets are coming in and also t-shirts eventually down the road i've got those vendors all lined up to bring that stuff in oh and uh hazel ray leather goods she's got purses and wallets that just top line leather goods really really good quality stuff and brilliant bright colors and just a wonderful human being to work with i kind of like bright colors can you tell by my by my forest my forest background very nice green forest uh goods that would go well Wonderful. I, I sense that I've never met you. This is our first time meeting face to face to face. I sense that having a positive attitude is something that's important to you. It is. It really is. And in this current environment, and you know, I'm glad you bring that up because today was actually kind of a rougher day for me internally, just with everything going on in the world. Um, it, it really it brings me down and upsets me. And so I had to do a lot of positive reinforcement today that we can get through all this kind of stuff. It is very important to have a positive attitude because I think that is very helpful in getting through anything and overcoming everything and getting through one day to the next day to the next day, week after week after week. Negativity just to me, it just, it's a drag. It's a waste of time. It's wasted energy. Have you always been an optimistic person? I have tried to have an optimistic view. It has been something I've had to learn and be better at. Uh, in my younger days, I like to be one of those cash surfers that sit back and nitpicks at everything and complains and gripes. And uh, it, uh, it's not an attractive quality. 
that I, I didn't like on myself. I didn't like it. And I didn't like the, what, how it brought other people down. And it wasn't, to me, it was, I was trying to be helpful and critical and, you know, you know, build them up in a way that, oh, here's a flaw. You should fix this. But it turned out it just over time became something very different. So I had to kind of relearn it and teach myself. And uh, I found a lot of great reading material to enforce that. And I read a lot of like positive stuff from people and affirmations and try to find the better in everything. Um, there's always a silver lining. And I know today particularly is a rough day for our country and society at large with everything going on. And I, as terrible and God awful as it is, my silver lining I'm taking away is this, these are necessary steps that we need to take to get rid of something that is very, very terrible in this country and keeps plugging us and won't go away. Okay. How old were you when you determined that you needed to change your attitude? How old are you now? I am 36. Now. Okay. And my mom is probably sitting in the other room laughing because I don't like to openly admit that I'm 36. I'm 60. Uh, I'm 61. So there. You look great, Laurel. I never would have picked <laughs> you if you Probably my mid-20s is when I started having the inkling of God. I bitch a lot and complain too much and find fault before I find good. And then it just kind of grew from there and then uh, subtly started shifting and holding my tongue. And well, I, I just found the power in picking people up instead of bringing them down. Nice. I saw somewhere that you had a post about NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Have, yes. you, part have you participated in the past? I have not, but I have been in touch with the Denver chapter um, that well, I used to manage a coffee shop up in Wheat Ridge for a little bit at a time. And I was going to have them up for to do a write-in and we're going to do all kinds of stuff. And I look forward to when I have the brick and mortar to have them in as well. Um, I think it's a great organization that inspires writing and, you know, even seasoned authors take advantage of it and challenge themselves and challenge their writing audience as well. Um, so it's just a wonderful way to be inspired for the whole month. I had a writing group. I used to live in Leadville. My t-shirt says, winter is always coming to Leadville. <laughs> <laughs> we lived there for 12 years before moving down to Salida, where it's considerably warmer. But I have so many incredibly fond memories of Leadville. And that's where I established myself as an author. And that's where I wrote my first book during a NaNoWriMo session. Another author friend of mine, Stephanie Spong, came into my writing group and said, who's going to do NaNoWriMo with me this year? And none of us knew, we'd never heard of what it was. And I thought she was talking in tongues. And when she explained what it was, the challenge to write 50,000 words in 30 days, we again all looked at her like she was insane. And then I think <laughs> it was October 31st, I decided, I'm, I'm a little competitive, I decided I'm going to do this. And I ended up writing, I think, 50,134 words in what ended up being my novel, Miss, my first novel, uh, which I ended up finishing over the course of the next four months. So it definitely, for any writers out there, aspiring authors out there, you want to get that book out. Signing up for NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, is it's a personal challenge. And I like deadlines. Do you like deadlines? I do. I do like deadlines because it just, it just takes the guesswork out of, you know, and it takes the procrastination away from it. I, I know I have to get this done by tomorrow. So get it on my butt. Yeah. Have you done any uh, contests, any writing competitions? Have I entered them or have I hosted them? Have you entered the, entered any? I have not. Ah, I, again, I would throw that out there and uh, some of them are really fun and you can get good feedback. And again, you know, if you like short suspenses, 
uh, one company, nycmidnight.com. They have all year round, they have all different types of uh, writing contests and you get feedback and most of the contests cost money. I think they're pretty reasonable, but anyway, something to think about. Yeah. Good to enter. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Some people will say that there are only, I don't know, seven or eight original ideas in the world. Yeah, probably. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, look at all the remakes of the movies that we see now. I mean, you know, everything's being rebooted two or three times and yeah, no, I think, yeah, there are, it's six or seven, whatever they say, original ideas. Look at the amazing. Oh, you just froze. Hang on a minute. I can't hear you. Reinvent it. I'm going to try to move here. So my audio is going a little crazy. All righty. I can hear you now. Okay. The, you know, millennials are, they get a bad rap as being lazy. And I'm like, no, they're taking old things and reinventing them and making them new. And that's pretty cool to look at that. Cause I would look at the same thing and I'd say, that's just what that is. It has no other purpose, but here's a new generation behind me taking something old and turning it into something I never thought it could be used for. I mean, that's cool. Like that's really neat to ha- be able to think that way, to look at that. So I think, yeah, there are seven or eight original ideas in the world. What are we going to do with them? You know, you can, you can put a different color, you can put a different spin, you can turn on a side, you can put it down. I mean, there's, you can blend it with the other one. I mean, there's de- many, many ways to make things new and fresh. You can make a brooch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was headphones. Now it's a scarf. It's a collar. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And I know some potential authors out there won't ever start their books because They'll say, well, it's already been done. What do you say to them? Right anyway. There's ask for every seat. Excuse my language. It's like there's a reader for every book. You know, it's it, there's 7 billion people on this earth and growing every day. There's going to be people who are going to read it, regardless if it's one or one million or a hundred or 10. It's going to be read somewhere. And again, you know, my thought is we might all experience the same thing, but we're all going to respond to it differently and our voices will all be different in how we, how we present that. Absolutely. And- Oh, you froze again. Oh, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. All right. To those writers who don't write their book, you know, when you pass away, you're taking that with you. You're not leaving your mark on the world. You're not leaving that book behind for us to read and remember you by. And that's so I, as a, from a writing point of view, that's something I think about is at least it's here. Yeah. Yeah. What is the most difficult transition you've had to make because of COVID-19? You know, I have been very fortunate that I have been employed during this whole time. Um, I work at Target and Grocery, so I've been an essential worker. And the biggest thing for me is just coming home every day and staying inside (laughs) and not, you know, there's nowhere to go. You can't go out to the bar. You can't go out and mingle with people. You can't go see people. And I've been doing a lot of virtual Zoom conversations via Roscoe Lorenzo and hosting authors and stuff. And it has been more a mental preparedness is what I would say and mental toughening and mental strengthening because we are social beings. Human beings are social creatures being kept up like this in a small, you know, with your family or on your own is very, very challenging for a lot of people. And I'm fortunate that I have people here in the house with me that I can mingle with, but that also reinforced the positivity piece is that we need to really stay tough and upbeat during all this because this can easily get us down quite a bit. And that was very, that realization, I've always known it, but it really hit home. And so I've tried to be very upbeat in any of my conversations with people, either out at Target or online. I've tried to keep it upbeat and positive and 
not give in to the negativity and because there's a lot of it out there and it's overwhelming. And if we can just continue to be raise a light for people, even if it only touches two people, that's two people that are going to smile for a moment. And that's good enough for me. Nice. Well, how is your job as a paper salesman for Dunder Mifflin going to interfere, <laughs> interfere with your Well, binge watching all my seasons of uh, Office <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it keeps getting in the way because it's such a good show. And working in retail and corporate life all my life, it really resonates with me in <laughs> the hilarity because I could find all those personality types in every place I've ever worked. And, you know, I, one of my coworkers at Target, we were in the break room and then I said, who's this Stanley here at work? (laughs) (laughs) That is an awesome show. My husband and I, you know, we'll watch some dark things and some heavy things. And then at the very end, we have to have a palate cleanser. And it's generally an episode of uh, The Office or Parks and Rec, Parks and Recreation. Now, here's some trivia for you for The Office. Uh, Jenna Fisher, who played Pam, and Angela Kinsey, who played Angela, are best friends in real life. And they now have a podcast called The Office Ladies. And they t- go, each episode, they dissect the whole episode. Each episode of their podcast, they dissect the episode of the show and what they went through going to make it. And sometimes they have the other characters on as guests. Uh, one I listened to the other day had Rain Wilson on, and they were talking about the healthcare episode. And it turns out most of those episodes of The Office were all improv. They had a, like an idea of what they wanted to do, but most of those actors in the background who took the office seats are improv actors. And so, I mean, how remarkable. What a talented crew of people. Would you say that's your favorite show? Or do you have a favorite TV show now? The Office is probably, my, well, Breaking, or uh, Better Call Saul is uh, probably my second one right there. And I almost think it's better than Breaking Bad. Okay. Haven't watched that one yet. I'll put it on my list. How can people find you? And what are you looking for from local authors? you'd like to help uh from well people can find me on facebook instagram twitter and on youtube uh roscoe lorenzo it's all one word and ross Uh, and roscoe is r-o-s-s-c-o yep lorenzo l-o-r-e-n-z-o and www.roscoelorenzo.com is the website which also has the blog um as well as the store and what i'm wanting to do with local authors i really am just hoping to be another voice for them uh another cheerleader to help them along in the promoting and marketing. A lot of authors don't have the promoting and marketing experience. They don't know how to use social media. They don't know how to do tags correctly. And it's not that they've never learned or that they're ignorant of the process. It's just that it's just when you're self-published, marketing is not something you think about until you've done it. And when you have traditionally published, you get that team with you um, and they take care of it for you. So I want to be a no- you there. <laughs> Can't hear you again. No, still not. There, I hear you now. Okay. There, yeah, you're okay. back. Sorry about that. That's okay. uh, what I was saying is I just want to be another place to kind of champion their book and be uh, for, you know, to get out to reach their readers and help them spread the word. Because, you know, one voice is great, but when you have someone else with you, that means you're going to reach twice as many people. Awesome. And your book, Turning Left? When's that Turning going to left, be available? Uh, well, it may be later this year, maybe next year. It depends on how things are going with the brick and mortar. Um, right now, my funds are going primarily to that versus professional editing and getting that in there. So probably once we get the brick and mortar up and running, I will probably dive hardcore into that turning left. Awesome. Adam Ross, thank you so much for being my first COVID interviewee. Yay. Uh, happy yay, I know. I know. <laughs> and for everybody out there. 
You can find today's show notes with links and photos on my website at leadvillelaurel.com. You can email me, laurel at strackpress.com. Follow me on Twitter at leadvillelaurel. And uh, if you enjoy this episode, share it and get the word out to other authors. And follow Adam Ross, Roscoe Lorenzo, on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. And uh, if you've got a, if, if you're a local author, a Colorado author, do you do you, uh, sponsor any other authors? Oh yeah, books. Yeah. All right. If you're oh, an author, if you're an author, yep. get in touch with yes. Adam, and you stay safe. And I look forward to developing this relationship. Thank you, Laurel. You as well. It was great you, uh, being on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You take care. Bye. Yeah, bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. <laughs>